This is episode three of One Page at a Time, helping your kids to love computer science with Ruby. We interview Linda Liocas, author of Hello Ruby. Podcasting from Virginia and Dubai. This is One Page at a Time, where we bring you strategies and resources for using books in your home. We are your hosts, Jill and Amanda. So I'm really excited about today's interview because, well, for several reasons. I'm the author of the series that we're looking at, which is Hello Ruby, is Finnish. She's Finnish, and that's very cool to me because my fin- my my Finnish is husband. My husband is Finnish. <laughs> and so there's a little bit. But your Finn is also your husband. That's true. So you know that works That's too. very true. So I'm excited for that reason because there's just this little bit of camaraderie there. But more importantly, computer science and coding and artificial intelligence, all of these are huge topics to me that are very intimidating because I don't know anything about them. And coming from a parent's perspective of, I don't know anything about this really, really super important topic that my kids have to know about to survive and navigate in their future mm-hmm. world because I feel like that's how it is anyway. So coming from that, I'm scared and I'm intimidated, but this interview really helped me to be more at ease and I have two of the books now and two of the Ruby books. They are fantastic. They are so cute. They are so fun. And I am more at ease after talking with Linda. So we're just going to get right into the interview because it's wonderful and you're going to want to hear it. So here is our interview with Linda Liukas. Today we have with us the author and illustrator of Hello Ruby, a picture book series about the world of computers. She loves Muji, Zelda Fitzgerald, software, and sparkly things. So welcome, Linda Liukas. Hi, thanks for having me. So Linda, before we get started with the real interview here, I have to ask sparkly things. I would love to know (laughs) what sparkly things you like. I think it's mostly about the non-binarity of of, uh, being excited about technology. So I I often think we have this idea that people who love software or technology or code like inhuman machine-like objects that have no kind of whimsicality and nonsensicality in them. And for me, it's been always the opposite where I've loved uh, like girly stuff, whether it's glitter or, or sparkles or unicorns or ponies. And, and I do think that those worlds fit in um, together really well. And, and that's why the bio has a line about sparkles and software. Well, I can tell you just by looking through your book, there is no lack of whimsical <laughs> personality coming through there. And I love that you are both the author and the illustrator of your book. Mm. I think that shows a lot of your talent coming through. I really appreciate your book. I'm sitting here, I'm holding Hello Ruby right now, which is the first out of Mm. how many books do you have now? Four books and three of them are out in English so far. When I went to get the book, I went to the largest bookstore in Helsinki Mm. and I was hoping that they would have it in English. So I walked in and I asked the sales yeah. clerk, yes, I said that I was looking for a book by Linda and she just stopped and turned and started walking straight toward the right <laughs> section. <laughs> so 
Louise. <laughs> I was saying Leofas after her. <laughs> and she took me right there and she said, sorry, we don't have it in English, but Aww. we have it in Finnish and Swedish. So I have the Finnish copy in front of me right cool. now. So so this is where we, we also mentioned that Finland is a very small country of five million people. So so this wouldn't happen to me in, say, Tokyo or, or in, in the States. <laughs> but that's very well, nice. A good well, story. You're, you're being very humble. <laughs> How many languages now is it translated into? 28 languages and and it keeps being translated into more languages which is really exciting and and one of the kind of fun things for me as as a first time author um, was to kind of see how universal and global the appetite for a storybook or a picture book about software and coding and computer science was Uh, which means that there's been these, there, there are these very kind of like different cultures, everything from like Middle East to China to to United States that have embraced the world of this kind of Scandinavian storytelling and and a very sort of soft approach to the world of technology. As you mentioned, my illustration style is very kind of whimsical and cute and and reflective of the the stuff that I loved as a as a child. And it's yeah, it, it's fun to see that when we think that the world is so like people are so different and and have different um, ideas about what good children's literature looks like that's that's in my experience has been less uh, less so that there's there are these things that like parents around the world are worried about and one of them is of course like how are their children going to thrive in the in the future world uh, so yeah uh, I think the latest one translated was the Thai language version um, so I got to go to Bangkok and meet the publishers over there Wow. It's interesting because the book is kind of a hybrid. It sometimes it's used by teachers around the world. Sometimes it's parents. Sometimes the publishers are like pop science uh, type of publishers, and sometimes they are very sort of traditional children's publishing um, publishing houses. And then sometimes it's uh, it's kind of like IT focused um, publishers, and this is their first children's book ever. So I get to work with very very different kinds of publishers around the world. Wow, that's amazing. So the book is, I mean, it's incredibly popular and it's no surprise at all to me that it's appealing to such a diverse group of people. I, I just love that it teaches the concepts behind computers and coding, but it doesn't actually mention computers. How mm. how does it do that? Mm. How does that happen? So it, it, <laughs> maybe I'll, I'll, I'll like... <laughs> I'll go a little bit back in time to the time when I was myself studying computer science and I I loved computers themselves. I always felt that there was this like magic ability to create something out of nothing when you sat in front of a computer and and by no means was I a, like a math whiz kid or or loved like this intellectual puzzles or or stuff like that. Uh, the way I used a computer was much like Uh, I would use crayons or Lego blocks or a guitar. So a tool of self-expression rather than a tool of problem solving. And then when I was uh, in my early 20s, I was studying for a few years in Stanford University and and then being sort of surrounded by all of these tech companies and, and these very kind of like strong momentum around changing the world with technology. Uh, I felt that enthusiasm, but then all of the materials teaching coding and programming were so dull and boring and gray and just books 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 and then I the language I was practicing at the time it's called uh, Ruby it's a Japanese programming language 
And I would start to do these little doodles in the margins of my computer science books uh, with a character called Ruby, so a little girl, and try to kind of explain to myself as I was learning how would a six-year-old little girl explain the concept of object-oriented programming or, or, I don't know, like what is functional programming or so forth. And that's slowly how kind of the genesis of the book was born with the idea that what if we would use stories to tell about the world of technology because in some ways stories have always been the way we humans have learned about ourselves, about each other and about the world surrounding us. And I felt that there was a lot of this very transactional content around technology where like people would try to explain what a loop was or what object-oriented programming was, but no one was really telling like why these things matter and what is the bigger context um, of what we are learning. And then very, very slowly, I'm, I'm <laughs> even though I've worked in kind of the technology and startup scene, I feel like I'm very slow in everything I do. So I think it took me three, four years pretty much to figure out like, oh, it's going to be a picture book. And in addition to the story, there are going to be these unplugged activities that teach you the kind of these concepts behind programming languages. So instead of teaching you about a specific programming language you learn about, uh, decomposition, which is something that all programming languages share, that in order to solve a p- big problem, you need to first break it into smaller problems. And what if you would teach this thing through like these very traditional uh, children's workbook activities? Or or what if you were to teach how the internet works without, a- without actually like um, touching the internet or touching the keyboard? Or what if you could teach how computer hardware works through building a paper computer? Uh, so I, in some ways, I feel like like now there seems to be a very sort of solid uh, idea around how to teach computers without a computer. Uh, but at the time, it was mostly intuition that kind of led me to create content that I would have enjoyed as a little oh, and girl. And it's so fun. I mean, this book is just, my daughter keeps coming back to it. She keeps looking at it. She's four and a oh. half. So she's turning five in December. And she keeps looking at it. We've done the activities from the website and which we'll, we'll talk more mm. about the website later, I'm sure. But um, it's just, <laughs> it's a charming book. So there, there are a couple things that I thought of as, as you're talking. One of them is the characters. So I, I do want to talk about the characters mm. and then I want to talk about the structure of the book. So let's start off with the characters mm. though. So Ruby is the main character of the book, and you mentioned where the idea <laughs> yeah. for Ruby came from. So who are the other characters? Yeah, Ruby is a programming yeah, yeah. language, yeah. So I, I think uh, it's fun that you mentioned that your daughter is charmed by the book because that's something like a lot of parents keep telling me that I'm not really sure if my kid is learning about programming, uh, but they do seem to develop this curiosity and fearlessness towards technology. And I feel like that is the most important thing that thing te- uh, that book teaches you. I bet there's a lot of books that like are much better at teaching technology concepts but they don't spark the curiosity and especially because I work with very young children so the books are intended kind for like I I imagine five to maybe nine year olds 
uh, when I, I draw and illustrate, even though honestly, like I've had a lot of um, like chairmen of the board or CEOs of publicly traded companies come to tell me that they've used the book to practice what machine learning or algorithms are for. Uh, but the idea is that you have these childhood stories that really shape the way you see the world. And for instance, having grown up in a very kind of Scandinavian like strong female role models in books, like Pippi Longstocking is the world's strongest little girl or little Moo, they kind of mischievous, uh, like rebellious little girl in the Moomin series. I do feel that there is value in kind of having these strong characters that reflect, um, that, that the children will memorize and, and remember as they grow older. And maybe they don't, they don't actually make the connection of like how they relate to the world of technology. And I'm going to answer your question in a second. Um, but they have this strong emotional feeling that, oh, like technology is something that I, I can feel fearless and and. Um, curious about that I, I feel welcome to and I think that is what books can do far better than apps or or other kinds of ways to teach and then about the characters so it's it's a good story like a uh, good question who are the other characters uh, so first thing maybe I want to mention is is when I started this project so it started as the doodles in the computer science books but then um, then I started to think that oh like there's so many stories in the world of technology that no one is really telling. And at the time, a lot of technology companies were starting to kind of grow into these very sort of fundamental, foundational parts of our society. So I started to think that, hmm, like, what if Apple was a character? Well, maybe it would be like Snow Leopard, who's beautiful, but doesn't want to play with the other kids because it only likes the well-designed and, and, and beautiful things. And at the time, Apple was naming their operating systems according to Big Wild Cats. So there was Snow Leopard, there was Lion, there was a bunch of tiger maybe well but a bunch of different names so so that's kind of loosely how the character of snow leopard came to be and then there was uh the green robots who are really like they like cooking things together and there's a ton of them uh, but they are a little bit messy and they grow up really quickly and everyone seems to think they are really friendly but uh but then they are also a little bit mischievous and and that was inspired by google who at the time was naming their android operating systems according to sweets and desserts and and so forth and then there's for instance the the penguins who are really book smart and ruthlessly efficient at breaking down big tasks uh, and that's linux uh the operating system um, but somewhat hard to understand because Linux also is sometimes hard to understand for laymen. And I remember going to my mom and telling mom, 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 like this is this, I have this big idea about like writing this children's book. Uh, and it would kind of be like a tongue in cheek reference to these technology companies that are, have all these different values and, and thinking structures behind them, even though we think still today that they are all just tech companies. And my mom, she looks at me and she goes like, Linda, that's a terrible idea. That sounds like a Soviet propaganda <laughs> book from the 1970s. Like, why on earth should kids understand how big tech companies think? And I, I think in the pretty much five or six years since the first book, there has been this like, the society has changed the, to the point where the tech companies are no longer fluffy and, and cute that we recognize how how like um, 
how different kinds of values drive these companies and, and how they operate in very different ways. And I don't know, like, uh, the, these references in all of the four books, they are not like underlined, but if you're a programmer or if you work in the tech sector, you'll find Easter eggs on pretty much every single page. And on the Hello Ruby website, actually, there's hidden like a little uh, cheat, cheat like sheet of all of these different references. So every single like, um, like for instance, every single poster on Ruby's wall, it, it is a like a technology reference, and and there's nothing accidental in the book. So there's lots of layers in there, but I don't think they are the main thing. Sometimes teacher is asking me like, uh, could you just like tell me who that each character is and and what they represent? And I'm like, mm, no, I think art should be like speaking. Like maybe in twenty years time, we won't have Apple or Google anymore, and then. Like then the characters are just funny and and uh, nonsensical um, as they are, and and it's not that important that you know exactly the backstory of each character. Hopefully, you can just enjoy the story as it is. Yeah, and it's so easy to enjoy this story, honestly. It and I love that you you keep talking about putting everything in the context of a story because we believe mm. that stories are so powerful and they're how you remember things and they're how you process things okay so i'm just i'm just going to talk about the structure i i can't i can't <laughs> wait anymore so when you open up the book it starts off with little chapters so there's a story and it goes through little chapters so chapter mm -hmm. one is ruby it describes ruby and kind of who she is she's always asking why questions and she's looking yeah. around so then it gets into some processes and I I'm not able to actually quote from the book because this isn't finished but <laughs> she's cleaning up her toys mm. and she's trying to organize yeah. them and she realizes that well what do I do with the crayons and the colored pencils the coloring things mm. aren't really toys so now now what do I do mm. so it and then it goes on to chapter two yeah. so it just presents these little problems these little kind of questions that ruby has and then after the story yeah. so you can read it as chapter by chapter or you can read it as a story and go through all of the chapters together i think there were are there 10 chapters yeah so there's 10 chapters and then it goes into activities section is so the coordinating activities with chapter one are things like teaching how to break down a process. Ruby needs to brush her teeth. So how, you know, break down this step-by-step -step process of how to brush mm. your teeth. So you had kind of referenced this a little bit earlier, but as parents of these kids who are growing up in a very different generation than, than we were, you know, how can we use Ruby and her books to get the most out of them especially for those of us who are either not interested in computers ourselves or also those of us who just are clueless and we have no idea because that's where I fit in so how can we best use Ruby to help our kids? I would break down the question in in sort of two parts so so the first is um, how should we approach our children when it comes to raising them and and um, 
like helping uh, them use the book in the best possible way. So I think one of the saddest things parents do is that when they see their children using tablets and mobile phones and computers very like seamlessly and, and easily, they tend to think that, oh, our kids are like savvy users of technology and and they are just digital natives and they know instantly how to use Uh, computers but that's not what these books are after Uh, kids who know how to play games they are consumers of technology they are not creators but the, the fact that they can use apps doesn't mean that they have some magical understanding of the principles of computer science uh, so I, I think that is the first thing to recognize that your children they need support and they need help and in the same way we teach them uh, how to navigate the city or how our societies work or how the basics of chemistry function. I think um, parents are much needed in the process. And the second thing I wish parents re- uh, recognize in themselves is that you don't need to have all the answers, uh, that you are allowed to be clueless and you're allowed to be kind of uh, lost. And a lot of people ask me, like, don't these skills get outdated really quickly? That, like, why should I be teaching these things with my child or to my child? In 20 years' time, they will probably be using a completely different programming language. And that is true. But what you're actually doing with these books is you're teaching the curiosity, the fearlessness, the persistence, the, the, the sort of self-efficacy for your children that will help them in other fields than technology also, but especially in the world of technology. And I'm a huge fan of this pedagogical movement called Reggio Emilia, which is from northern Italy, this idea that a child has a hundred languages of expressing themselves and they have the language of writing and reading, of course, but then they also have the language of sculpting and crawling and dancing and, and maybe even coding. So the way I would approach the books is I, I would have these discussions and, and sort of embrace these why questions the children ask like why is ruby behaving in this way or what is the ram memory or or how do computers learn new things or or why is my wi-fi slow today and say hey i don't know but let's figure it out together and let's find answers and that's why i always say that the way i would approach the book is is not like sit down and read it from like back to back and do all of the exercises at once but work at the child's pace and and maybe like one kid will enjoy working on one activity for like weeks and weeks and then another kid will uh, just like go through the activities in in 10 or 15 minutes but it's like as a parent you'll know your child best and you'll recognize what is motivating and exciting for them and I think finding that motivation and finding like what kind of um, interest they have in technology, whether it's, um, I don't know, like CAD modeling your uh, dream tree house or, or building, um, building a website for your like uh, fan, uh, fandom uh, or, or something like that. Um, like helping the child see technology as a tool of self-expression and problem solving. And that doesn't require you as a parent to be the expert. It requires you to be kind of the curator and the, the guider uh, who helps the child when they face problems uh, to find the answers but not necessarily give out the answers. It sounds like you're saying that parents the most helpful thing that we can do is expose them to friendly and mm. warm 
resources like Hello Ruby that make it very approachable and to also just be open mm. ourselves. Yeah. So, and you're a TED speaker as well. And in that video, you start off by saying that children today need to see computers not as magical, but approachable and things that they can tinker with. And yeah. if that's the way that our children yeah. should be seeing them, then maybe that's also the way that we should be seeing them as well. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's interesting to think that like this generation of children is the last one to remember like the computer as, as something like a boxy thing that like already now the way our children are growing up with computers is not by having keyboards and screens, but by having discussions with Alexa or, or Siri or Google, um, uh, Google Assistant. And that when they actually grow up, there will be computers everywhere from like their teddy bears to their toothbrushes and and somehow like this they, these go into this very very quickly we go actually into very philosophical questions about what it means to be a human and what it means to be a machine and and these discussions should happen when the children are young because when they are older um i think they will already have a more sort of binary idea of how the world works. Like I'm a person who can be interested in computers. I'm not a person who can be interested in computers. And I used to like think that it's around the age of 10 to 12, that especially girls start to kind of develop these self-limiting beliefs about who can be a computer scientist and who can't be a computer scientist. But it turns out it actually already at the age of five or six, some research suggests that, that we start to have these ideas about our, like these very stuck ideas about our identity. Uh, and that's why you need to start early. With wow, children. five or six. I had no idea. Yeah. That... Well, that's so sad. And, and it's somehow like also the idea of like computer science. I think someone told once that like computer science is the worst name you can give to computer science because it gives a completely wrong idea of what the field is about. It gives this idea that, like in the same way, a biologist is studying the biological world and a physicist is studying the physical world. It gives the idea that a computer scientist would be studying the computer, whereas in reality, the computer scientist uses the computer to study all kinds of problems in the world, whether they have to do with education or health or nutrition or energy or fashion. And, and that's how like why it's so important that already at an early age, the kids get this idea that that computers are, are problem-solving and, and self-expression machines and and they belong to everyone. Well, I have to admit that before reading through Ruby, I had not understood it as very approachable at all myself. And my mm. it really has changed my mindset and I'm excited to get the other Beautiful. books as well. But <laughs> we've gotten all sorts of different things. You know, we've got the Code a Pillar game. We've got different coding apps and everything on a phone. But mm. it's so refreshing to me to pick up a book something that I know how to use something that you know is a is a tangible thing that mm. I can really connect with my daughter or son and you know have them sit with me and read through mm. it together it's a very different feel than you know handing them an electronic device with a game on there that teaches them coding and mm. so I wanted to ask what made you think about presenting this information in a book instead of creating some sort of a technological <laughs> device or software? Mm. 
No, I maybe maybe it goes back to the idea that I think um, the biggest ideas of computer science have actually nothing to do with computers, as ridiculous as that sounds, uh, and that the most interesting part about computer science is the humans and their big ideas, and somehow like books. Uh, just like you mentioned, like books are interfaces people know how to use. Books are campfires. Books gather people around them. And I always had this idea that like hopefully the book would be something that like parents and children would read as a bedtime story or teachers could use in their classroom. And I do love like that we have this multitude of different ways to learn to code everything from these like puzzle-based applications to these open-ended kind of playgrounds where the kids can practice. And I, I don't think you can like completely, of course, remove the computer out of the equation. But I do think it's important uh, to understand that as a discipline and as a field, uh, computer science goes beyond the screen. And that's why we should teach it, because we need to prepare our children for a world that will involve technologies that have not yet been invented and they present these ethical challenges of which we are not yet aware of. And computer science is, it's, it's useful. That's, that's what we talk a lot about, like how coding will be a useful skill. But it's also beautiful. It's also interesting. It's also intensely creative. And I, I do think that we need more material, whether it's uh, through books or movies or music or whatever medium of art that presents this science side of computer science that is kind of the um, practicality of engineering that meets the beauty of arts that meets the change the world ethos of social sciences so in that sense I think a book is a wonderful way to to talk about these topics and issues well I have to agree that this is just an amazing way to present this information I'm so glad that you took this route (laughs) went from a web and Books are not dead. That that's the thing. I like. I love intensely books, and I think every child I've met loves books, um, like real, and feels very proud about books. So, so I, uh, yeah, <laughs> it was never a question of like not doing it as a book. Yeah, that's wonderful. But yeah, sorry. No, that's, <laughs> that's wonderful. So you've come from, I believe, a a website for who was it, Al Gore, <laughs> to yeah, <laughs> to a just wonderful book series. So do you do you have plans for more Ruby books in the future? Yeah, so now there's four books in the series. So it's coding or computational thinking. Then there's a book about hardware and computers. There's a book about how computers talk to each other. So what the internet is about. And then there's a book about how computers are changing the world. So machine learning and AI. And there's been a lot of interest from teachers on how to use the book as a part of classroom teaching, which the book definitely wasn't originally intended for. So I've also done now like this uh, like YouTube video series that is launching in the beginning of September. So pretty soon it's called Love Letters for the Computer. And uh, it's kind of like imagine if Wes Anderson or Sofia Coppola like fell in love with the computer. So it's a very sort of beautiful and and um, warm and whimsical um, video series intended for primary school teachers with uh, free materials to use in your classroom and introduce these topics to children. And then like, I'll hopefully write a book to go with that at some point. 
And I've been also toying around with the idea of like something for younger kids, like a paper, like a, what are they called? Like a board book. And then also something maybe for older kids. So chapter books have been like kids who've grown up with will be like, what would be the next thing they could read? And then I don't know, like I, I, again, I feel like a book is a campfire. So you gather the community and I've been really lucky in the sense that I've found kind of the like-minded people everywhere in the world who really like love and support Ruby. And that is a really good place to start building like something new from. So maybe one day I'll make a fun fair or like a flower shop or an entire school around these philosophies and ideas that the book series presents. So. I'll definitely keep working on kind of the intersection of creativity and technology and, and education. Sure. Yeah. And I, I saw that you're coming to Expo 2020, which is in Dubai where oh, I live. Yeah. So that's pretty exciting. <laughs> oh, yeah. Actually, Dubai Expo was the one uh, like the, the sponsor for the Love Letter series. So so that's, I think, a really kind of uh, interesting way also to to navigate the world that there is this series that has this very kind of northern European uh, flavor and then the funding comes from Middle East and and then it's going to be distributed in in the states and also in uh, in China and in a bunch of other places so it, it just goes to tell how how like how global an appetite there is for uh, for content that makes coding and computer science um, approachable yeah, I couldn't agree more was, is there anything that we missed? Mm, no, I think uh, those were the most important messages I I had. And and I I feel like I'm in the very lucky position that I get to speak with like uh, children around the world every day uh, on how they experience Ruby. But then the most exciting thing is actually like 10 years from now when the kids will grow up and and I can't actually wait to see what kind of an optimistic and brave and wonderful and whimsical world of technology these kids will create with their their thinking. Oh, I love hearing the passion that you have for this. It's just, it's heartwarming <laughs> as a mother to hear you talk about, you know, you're, I mean, you're talking about my daughter here. So this is just, it's mm. wonderful. I, I just, I love it. Well, I have one more question for you. But before that, mm-hmm. where can people go to find out more about you, Linda Liukas, mm-hmm. and Ruby? So there's a website called helloruby.com, and we touched upon it a little bit, but there's a lot of free content out there. So if you want to build um, emoji masks or make a paper computer or, or, or try like encryption uh, with a paper-based activity, you can go and, and print materials online over there. And then helloruby.com slash love letters will be the site where I'll be uploading all of the, the videos I, I talked about earlier. So that's, that's going to be um, in the beginning of September, you'll find teaching material from there. And I'm pretty much on all of the different <laughs> uh, websites or, or like uh, applications out there. So Instagram and Twitter, you can find with Linda Liu. All right, great. And by the time this airs, uh, we we aren't publishing this right away. So by the time this airs, then we should mm-hmm. have access to the love letters. Yes. I'm really excited about that. <laughs> all right, so before Wonderful. we go, now that we are really excited to meet Ruby and start learning about computers with our kids. What is one thing we can do this week to get started? 
one thing you can do this week. Well, I've mentioned it a few times, but the, the computer building activity is kind of a perennial favorite. So everything you need is a color printer, uh, like one letter or A4 uh, sized uh, piece of paper, and you can spend hours working with children. I'm going to end up with a small story about um this activity because it does teach you the different hardware components of a computer and that's something that is helpful for the parent too you might not quite remember <laughs> what the hard drive or the ram or the rom or the cpu does uh, but then i think the exciting part about the activity is when the children start to uh, imagine their own applications for the computer and there's a lot of games that have been built uh, or like um, drawn there's a lot of like little web shops, but then there are these like beautiful moments that the kids have when they have these little paper computers they've built themselves that they feel intensely proud about. Like kids often sleep with their computers and and then there was a little boy, and I've told this story a few times, but there was a little boy who whose favorite thing in the world was to be a mission control man so that his father is the astronaut and the little boy is the mission control man. And he has these gigantic, huge headphones on and He's completely immersed in his paper computer um, and he has designed intergalactic planetary navigation application to bring back dad, the astronaut from outer space, really on the opposite <laughs> side of the room, uh, safely back home to Earth. And I, I feel like there are these kind of um, places where the children can explore their ideas together with their parents in a very very kind of imaginative and soft way. And, and he will never forget what the RAM or the ROM does because he built the computer and he built the navigation system. And, and through this kind of play, you can learn and explore a lot about computer science. So that's something I would do right away. And you can find the computer from helloruby.com. And we'll put that in that link in our show notes. And show I notes. can Sweet. attest to it. Even my two-year-old really loved, she loved matching the pieces to build her computer. And <laughs> and then she kind of... Two years, imagine Yes, that. I know, right? <laughs> so we, I mean, she didn't, of course, grasp the concepts, but... She had a lot of fun brainstorming what computers would do with her sister. So they were talking all, all sorts of things. Lots of rainbows and unicorns were involved in that. And <laughs> I'm sure some fairies and whatnot. But yes, it's it's a great website. It's a fantastic series. And I am so excited for everything that you are doing Ruby related and beyond. So thank you so much for... Thank joining you us so much. yeah and i wish you luck and i wish ruby luck and i hope that i get to see you in in expo yes. that would be a lot of fun i'll have to stop by wonderful <laughs> thanks linda yes, we'll see you there <laughs> thank you i loved that interview wasn't that good that was so, so good. You know, to be honest, I wasn't quite sure what to expect because like you were saying before the interview, this is a world that I'm not very familiar with and it, uncomfortable isn't the right word. I'm not uncomfortable with it, but it's just out of my wheelhouse. I'm not really a computer. I use them every day and I know how to do the basics, but I don't know everything that goes into computers and making these things that I use every day work. So I was very kind of 
kind of just curious to see how it would go, but she makes it so relatable. And as she was talking, it occurred to me, I'm like, you know what, this makes sense because she's trying to put it on a level for these kids who don't know anything, which is perfect for me because that's the level that I'm at too. So I feel like this is something that I can learn along with my kids and feel like we're getting this information together. Yeah. And you know, she says that she mentions that everything in the book has something behind it, some meaning or it references something. And now as I look at the books, I'm like, who is this character? What is this referring to? I know it it makes me want to know more so that I can get those references, right? Well, yeah. And I mean, some of it is blatantly obvious, you know, like in her internet book, some of the things there's like emoticons and grumpy cats and like there's very obvious things that even I know about. (laughs) But it's so easy to read as a story. There's nothing that weighs you down as you think, oh man, I don't eh, eh, eh." like there's nothing about that. It's just adorable pictures, cute storylines, and then wonderful, wonderful activities. And now the YouTube series has been published so you can go and check that out and it's just all around a fantastic world to bring into your home because technology is already in your home so to have this accompaniment to it that makes it friendly and approachable to you and your kids and she nailed this fantastic go check it out me too (laughs) definitely So if you like this episode, please take a look at our website, onepagepodcast.com. Check out the Ruby books. Head on over to YouTube. We'll have a link on our website that will take you right there. Check out her wonderful YouTube series as well and get to know Ruby. Thanks for listening.